0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Sports Shack. I hope you are well and have had a great sporting week. Unfortunately, Glenn can't join us for this episode. He's had all sorts of issues with his technology, which he'll uh, fill us all in on when he returns. So it's a first today. I'm on my Pat Malone. First for the Sports Shack, doing an episode all of my own. And today we're going to have a belated very belated Australia Day special and I'm going to talk about my number one Aussie sports people in a wide range of sports over the past past 50 years, so basically from what I remember about watching sport from the late 1970s and I'll also talk about my favourite Aussie sporting moments and most successful Aussie sports teams that come to mind. There have been so many. So, firstly, I'm going to focus on the individuals. So, let's look at the sport of cricket. So, my well, first uh, memories are, of course, the great Dennis Lilly running into bowl with the chain around his neck and flying around, and the crowd going, Lilly, Lilly. And also Greg Chappell. So, this was a time of the 70s and early 80s. And then came along Alan Border, And then you go to the 90s and the 2000s, the golden era. And players, Mark Taylor, you know, greatest captain, I consider. Greatest Australian cricket captain from what I um, remember in the past 50 years. Michael Slater, Craig McDermott, the War Twins. How could we not forget them? Brett Lee, Glenn McGrath. Matthew Hayden, Justin Langer, Adam Gilchrist, Michael Clarke, then David Warner and Steve Smith and Nathan Lyon now, who's uh, been a very successful off-spinner for Australia, played over 100 tests. And if I look at the uh, number one batsman who I consider, and I'll give that to Ricky Ponting. So he's the most successful captain in international cricket history with a winning rate of 67.91%. One of the greatest batsmen of all time. And you think of the uh, two World Cup victories in 2003-2007, which he captained. And I know he copped a lot of criticism for uh, uh, losing those Ashes series in England. But uh, just a tremendous leader, tremendous batsman. Great talent from a very early age. And he's the only cricketer in history to be involved in 100 test victories and involved in the most one-day international victories as a player. 262 wins. And he played in over 160 tests and 370 ODIs. 13,378 runs in 168 tests with a batting average of 5185 41 centuries and 62 half centuries. And you look at his ODI record, brilliant batting average of 42.03 with 30 hundreds and 82 50s. So he scored over 13,000 runs in ODIs as well. And he's Australia's leading run scorer in tests and ODI cricket, was named Cricketer of the Decade in 2000. And Yeah, like he's very closely, close shave between him and Steve Smith, who's, uh, I'm sure, will go on to break Ricky Ponting's record, but I consider Ricky Ponting to be the the number one batsman in my generation. And some of the most well-known moments, well, I remember being in Barbados in 1999 when he scored a great century in an excellent partnership with Steve Waugh and... The 2003 World Cup Final, when he scored that brilliant 164 not out. And that was instrumental in Australia, winning that World Cup Final and defeating India. And winning back-to-back World Cups. And the century against England, and saving a test for Australia in the third test, against a great English attack in 2005. Now, when I think of uh, my number one bowler for this gentleman. For the generation how can you not go past the king king of spin shane warne just a leg spin genius and one of the greatest bowlers in the history of the sport so he made 145 test appearances took 708 wickets and set the record for the most wickets taken by any bowler in test cricket a record he held until 2007 so Warney revolutionized cricket with how people thought about leg spin bowling which until he came along well it was pretty much a dying art and then all of a sudden he showed what a weapon leg spin bowling can be and it's definitely the most difficult part and difficult art of the game and also a very useful lower order batsman just a brilliant cricket brain and if it wasn't for his uh, misdemean- misdemeanors off the field he certainly would have been a great Australian captain so you look at Warney's record So 145 test matches, bowling average of 25.41, with 37 five wicket hauls, 10-10 wicket hauls, and this record would have been better, you know, you need to consider the time he had off with uh, surgery on his shoulder, and he had that suspension for a year, in 2003, went home in disgrace, right on the eve of the uh, 2003 World Cup. But i look at his most memorable moments, the 1983 Ashes Tour, how can we not forget that, and the ball of the century, his first ball on English soil in a Test match, and he bowls Mike Gatting with an absolute ripper. And the 1994 Boxing Day Test hat-trick, and the 1999 World Cup when it appeared that well, his uh, career was pretty much all over and that game against South Africa in the semi-final where he turned the match with a tremendous spell. And the 2005 Ashes series and his 700th wicket at the Boxing Day test in 2006 followed by another five-wicket haul in front of a packed 100,000 home crowd. So, yeah, Shane Warne, just an absolute legend of Australian sport and sadly missed. Now, if we move on to rugby league now, so if I look back at the 70s and late 70s, early 80s and just a, the golden generation, Parramatta, just brilliant back line, Ray Price, Brett Kenny, Peter Sterling, Eric Grove, Mick Cronin, Steve Eller, just great names. And then their rivalry with Canterbury-Bankstown in the 80s with the Mortimers. And and then there so many other great players at that time. Wayne Pearce, Michael O'Connor, Andrew Johns came along in the 90s. And then just the tremendous Canberra side that won three premierships in the 1989, 1990 and 1994. But you look at Mel Meninga Laurie Daly, Ricky Stewart, Bradley Clyde, and then the Brisbane Broncos and their golden generation, golden generation in the 90s, winning several premierships. So great names like Alan Langer and the Walters brothers, and and then came along into the 2000s with the Melbourne Storm with their dominance, with uh, just these great players like Cameron Smith, Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk. Greg Inglis, who played with Melbourne in some of their premiership victories, which uh, unfortunately were taken away from them for breaking the salary cap. But, um, yeah, just brilliant players who also excelled playing for Queensland and were a big part of their dominance. And But if I've got to name my number one rugby league player in my generation, it goes to Wally Lewis just one of the greatest players of all time. You now he played in the the late 70s, early 80s, well all through the 80s, sorry, and the early 90s. He was known as the king and the emperor of Lang Park. Now Lewis represented Queensland in 31 state of origin games from 1980, so he played in the very first state of origin match to 1991 and he was captain for 30 of these 30 times He also represented Australia In 33 international matches From 1981 to 1991 And he was national team captain From 1984 to 1989 So he's best known for his State of origin performances And Spear headed Queensland's dominance Throughout the 80s and He won a record 8 man of the match awards And Spear Yeah just a uh, Yeah just dominated so many state of origin games for queensland and i'll never forget that game in uh, 1989 it was game two and queensland basically were playing with 11 men Uh, yeah and he scored that wonderful individual try that uh yeah got queensland home and he was inducted into the australian rugby league hall of fame as well and in 1999 he became the sixth member of the immortals so they're the greatest rugby league players in australia and i think there's eight of them that have been named all up but just the size and dominance and yeah queensland legend now if we move on to rugby union now boy there were some great names in australian rugby you go in the especially in the 80s and 90s and So, you look at Mark Eller, just a genius. Former Where Are They Now? Such a shame that he retired so young. And then I remember Simon Poidevin and Michael Liner and David Campese. Yeah, key members of the uh, Grand Slam tour in 1984. And then came along Matt Burke in the 90s and Tim Horan, Stephen Larkham, George Smith, Joe Roth, David Pocock. And But my number one rugby union player, number one r- Australian rugby union player in my generation goes to John Eels. So he was Australia's most successful rugby captain, and he was a key member of both World Cup winning sides in 1991, and captain the 1999 team. And both in both those tournaments, Australia went through undefeated, and yeah just uh it's such a shame you know to see what's happening with australian rugby today but back you know this time yeah we uh, had some great leaders and wonderful wonderful team so he played 84 tests for australia and captained australia 55 times brilliant second rower and he was also an accomplished goal kicker and he just possessed so many great skills especially especially for such a big man just his great mobility, ball skills, master at the set piece, intelligence, great in defence, huge work rate. And also just a great gentleman on and off the field. And my great memories of him include receiving, when he received from the Queen and held up the Webb Ellis Trophy when the Wallabies won the 1999 World Cup. And when he kicked that penalty goal in 2000 after the full-time siren. Um... I'm on the Bloodisloe Cup for Australia. And just, you know, how he would jump up so high in those line-outs. And if I move on to Aussie rules, well, you know, coming from, uh, yeah, an eastern state where rugby league is uh, the main dominant winter code, I haven't really been too familiar with Aussie rules, but, yeah, players that come to my mind uh. Yeah, great players like Tony Lockett, Wayne Carey, Gary Ablett Jr., Lance Franklin, Michael Voss, James Heard, and then recent times, Dustin Martin, Adam Goods. But my number one player of my era goes to Gary Ablett Sr. He's a Geelong legend, full forward, considered by many to be the greatest player in the modern era. And with a nickname like... Um, his nickname was God, so... Yeah, that explains everything. Just known for his spectacular high-flying marks and tremendous goal-kicking ability. But my great memory was the 1989 Grand Final, in which he kicked a record number of goals in a Grand Final. kicked nine goals in a losing side and won the Norm Smith Medal. Just It was just one of the great performances of all time. And yeah, 1989 was a year you were just blessed with grand finals. And uh, I think they consider that the best, the number one uh, AFL grand final of all time. and, And in Rugby League it was considered 1989, the game between Balmain and Canberra always goes down. And judged by so many to be the number one Rugby League grand final. And if I move on to basketball, well, how can we not forget Luke Longley? Just his great success with uh, yeah, the Chicago Bulls. That wonderful side that they had and winning all those NBA titles. And he really put Australian basketball on the map. Um, but also, you know, Andrew Gaze and Andrew Bogut, Matthew Delavidova, Aaron Bain, Michelle Timms. Also, we've produced so many great women basketballers. Uh, we won a world championship in 2006 which is just tremendous, but how can we not go past uh, Lauren Jackson, another former, where are they now? Number one, well, she's my number one female basketballer. And you look at her record, just extraordinary. Four Olympic Games for the Opals and four podium appearances, so in 2000, 2004, 2008 and 2012. And she carried the Australian flag in 2012 at the opening ceremony. She first played for the Opals at age just 16 and in 2006 captained the Australian side that defeated Russia to win the World Championship and had great success in America in the WNBA with the Seattle Storm winning two championships with them and she won the MVP three times She also had great success playing in Europe and Asia but if I look at my number one male player And what a wonderful role model this man is, Paddy Mills. Outstanding player, especially a wonderful role model with indigenous Australians. And he's had a successful career in the NBA with the Portland Trail Blazers and later the San Antonio Spurs, helping them win the 2014 NBA Championship. Now he led the Australian Boomers at the recent Tokyo Olympics to their first ever medal at the Olympics. And he scored 42 points in the bronze medal match against Slovenia, and just known for his tremendous three point shooting and leadership qualities. Great man. Now we look at, move on to uh, swimming now, and probably been our, well, definitely without question, our number one Olympic sport. And yeah, just uh, so many great names. And... Yeah, so you look at uh, Duncan Armstrong. Oh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll never forget watching him uh, cause that big upset in the nineteen at uh, the nineteen eighty eight uh, Seoul Olympics in the two hundred meter final. Yeah, where he beat so many great swimmers. Yeah, like Matt Biondi, and yeah, and then also came along Kieran Perkins, tremendous fifteen hundred meter swimmer, and. Yeah, so when he won those uh, gold medals in Barcelona and then backed it up in 1996 in Atlanta from the far lane when he was written off and had a horrendous lead up to the games. But that was just a performance to remember. And Susan O'Neill, Grant Hackett, J.D. Henry, Stephanie Rice, Ariane Titmus in recent times. I'm sure, you know, she won all those gold medals in Tokyo and, yeah, just her uh, rivalry with American Katie Ledecky. And Emma McKeon, Kyle Chalmers, Kaylee McEwen, But if I've got to name my number one male swimmer, how can I not go past Ian Thorpe? Five Olympic gold medals, the most won by any Australian, three gold and two silver medals. Now he's the most successful athlete he was at the 2000 Summer Olympics held in his hometown of Sydney. He won the 200 metres and 400 metres freestyle gold at Athens at the Athens Olympics in 2004. Now Thorpedo won 11 world championship gold medals and he set world records galore. And he was voted world swimmer of the year four times and who'll ever forget that 4x100 metre final. Um, freestyle final when we when Australia defeated America and he swam that final leg and uh, yeah just a incredible performance that was because America had never been beaten before ever in the Olympics and that was just a great moment in Australian sport. Now if I got to name my number one female swimmer in my generation well. Emma McKeon, four-time world record holder, key member of Australia of, of the Aussie women's four by one hundred metre freestyle relay team that has set regular world records and Olympic gold and World Championship gold. And you got to think, you know, she's still swimming today. I think she's about twenty-eight years of age, and yeah, I'm sure she's uh, going to go on and and uh, break more records, but. 11 Olympic medals makes her Australia's most decorated Olympian. Now she won four gold medals at the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo and picked up three bronze medals and she was the most decorated athlete across all sports at the 2020, 2020 Olympics and tied for the most medals won by a woman in a single Olympic Games. What, a, what an achievement that is. She's also won 17 medals, including four gold medals at the World Aquatics Championships, and has a record of 20 medals. Yeah, so let's move on the track and field now. And names that come to mind are Danny Samuels, Debbie Flintoff King, winning that 400 metre hurdles final in Seoul in 1988, and Glennis Nunn. She, uh, I'll never forget her winning the uh, Heptathlon Gold for Australia in Los Angeles in 1984 and more recent times Sally Pearson, what a tremendous athlete, Gold Coaster too, former where are they now, uh, just a wonderful, wonderful athlete and you know, she, when she won that gold medal in London in the 100 metre hurdles and she's also a silver medalist uh, four years earlier in Beijing. And Robert D. Costello in the early eighties, and he's uh, just wonderful marathon runner. Unfortunately, uh, didn't have success at the Olympics, but he he won world championship. He won a world championship title, winning the uh, marathon in nineteen eighty three. And Steve Hooker winning that uh, pole vault gold medal in uh, two thousand and eight, and. Yana Pittman, yeah, she didn't have Olympic success but won a couple of World Championship gold medals in the 400-metre hurdles. John Stefferson's another one he comes to mind. He, he, uh, very underrated, he won the 400-metres gold at the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne, but he also won some medals in the Olympics in the relay teams. And Raylene Boyle, now she uh, retired sort of... uh, well, 1982 was the last race. I sort of cap- captured the right at the very end of her career. And, yeah, I can't remember when she won those medals because I was too young in the 70s, you know, in Munich and how she was robbed in Montreal. And But one, one name comes to mind. His name is Rick Mitchell at the Moscow Olympics in 1980 where he picked up a silver in the men's 400 metres at the track wonderful achievement. But I've got to name a female athlete now and I can't go past Kathy Freeman. Gold medal at the Sydney 2000 Olympics in the 400 metres and she picked up a silver medal in 1996 at the Atlanta Olympics. She also won World Championship gold in 1997 and 1999 and lit the Olympic flame at Sydney in 2000. Now my number one male athlete in track and field and his name is Jared Talent. Yeah, so he won the gold medal in the men's 500 uh, sorry men's 50 kilometer racewalk event at the 2012 Olympics in London. But he's also a four-time Olympic medalist. Great achievement and he currently holds the Olympic record. In the 50 kilometre race walk category. So Jared Talent. He's my number one male. Track and field athlete. In my era. Now moving on to football now. Or soccer. Oh some great names. Harry Kuehl. Mark Schwarzer, Mark Viduka. Brett Emerton. And I know some of you might say. Oh yeah Craig Johnston too. But yeah great player. But you got to think. He never played for Australia. So yeah i don't really consider him up there, but a great player all the same. And my number one player, the one and only Tim Kale. Not just an Everton great, which is my favourite EPL team, but just an Aussie sporting great, known for his scoring goals at crucial times, especially with his sensational headers. And he cannot not forget those two sensational goals against Japan in the 2006 World Cup and I think yeah Japan was leading 1-0 with about 10 minutes to go and he came on and scored those kick those two thunderbolts and scored his nation's first World Cup goal and steered the stocker, steered the Socceroos to their first ever World Cup win. So Tim Coley scored 50 goals for Australia, 108 caps from 2004 to 2018. And my number one female player, she's still playing today, Sam Kerr. So she's the current Matildas captain, and she has been since 2019. She's the greatest scorer of goals in Australian international soccer. Now, she's the all-time leading goal scorer in the NWSL in the United States, and she's the only female footballer to have won the Golden Boot in three different leagues, Three different countries and she made her international debut for Australia aged just 15 and also you know I go back to Ian Thorpe I remember when he uh, won a world championship gold medal at age just 15. I know when I was 15 years of age I certainly wasn't thinking about winning uh, <laughs> world championship medals or playing for my country in my sport and she was also Named Young Australian of the Year in 2018. And she's played 116 times for Australia, scored 61 goals. And she's currently having great success playing for Chelsea in the women's EPL. Now, if we move on the golf, and I've got to think of my major winners. That's what comes to my mind first. And Now, one name who uh, had great success in America, David Graham. Now I remember him in the uh, early 80s mainly And 1981, I remember uh, watching it on TV at the US Open with my dad Just before the bus came to pick me up outside And yeah, seeing him win the uh, US Open And that was my first experience of an Aussie winning a, a golfing major And later Wayne Grady won the US PGA in 1990 And Ian Baker Finch won the British Open in 1991. And then Steve Elkington, another golfer who had great success in America. for, the, for his, Yeah, great Aussie. He uh, won the USPGA in 1995. And Jan Stevenson, she uh, pioneered Aussie female golf. I think she won about three titles in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, and Jason Day. So, yeah, I remember this is uh, more recent times when he won the 2015 USPGA. And Adam Scott, what a moment that was when he uh, sank that putt in that playoff and won the 2013 Green Jacket at the Masters, the first Aussie to ever do so. Jeff Ogilvie winning the 2016 PGA. there was the US Open. And then just last year, Cameron Smith winning the British Open. And another great female golfer is uh, Min Jin Lee, who has won several major titles on the women's tour. But my number one male golfer is Greg Norman. British Open winner twice, 1986 and 1993. I remember staying up late at night in the early hours of the morning watching him win those titles. And just a runner-up, I guess he was more known for being runner-up in majors and having bad luck and, you know, uh, Larry Mice sinking that shot at the uh, 87 Masters when it appeared that Norman had it all wrapped up and he was about to win his first green jacket. And Bob Tway sinking that bunker shot at the US USPGA in 1986 and sank Aussie hearts and yeah, he was a runner-up in majors on many occasions, eight times, and he was world number one, Norman Was, for 331 weeks. Extraordinary. Now the Great White Shark has won 89 professional tournaments, including 20 PGA tournaments. But if I look at my number one female golfer, it has to be Kari Webb. Seven major wins, 41 wins on the LPGA Tour more than any other active player according to wikipedia and 56 professional wins all up great achievement now let's look at tennis now and Yvonne Gilligan Corley is the first tennis player that comes to mind I remember her defeating Chris, Chris Evert to win the 1980 Wimbledon ladies title but then Pat Cash I remember staying up all night watching him defeat Yvonne Lendl to win his uh, Wimbledon title in 1987. And then Pat Rafter in the 90s winning back-to-back US Opens in 97 and 98. And then Stan- Sam Stozer. Yeah, she copped a lot of criticism. She's just recently retired. Just a wonderful career. And that performance in the 2011 uh us open ladies final when she defeated serena williams just uh dominated her right from the word go and yeah and she's got a lot of criticism i guess i unjusti- well i don't think it's justified and she uh was a runner-up i think in one or two french opens mark Philippoussis as well known for his great powerful serve and yeah, runner-up in a couple of Grand Slams, 2003 in Wimbledon. And was it 1998 when Pat Rafter beat him in the US Open final. But number one thing that comes to my mind with Mark Philippus is that wonderful performance he put in in the 1999 Davis Cup final in Nice against France on clay. But my number one male player... Is that little Aussie fighter Leighton Hewitt two Grand Slam titles 2001 and he won the US that was in the US Open 2001 when he defeated Pete Sampras in straight sets and year later he went on and won the 2002 Wimbledon title in straight sets and he was a runner-up also in the US Open 2004 and the Aussie Open in 2005 just a Davis Cup hero, patriotic Aussie. Loved the bloke to death I did. But the thing that I find extraordinary with Leighton Hewitt, you know, he's just a small man, only 1.78 metres tall. And that's small for a, a male tennis player of that, gen, well, this generation. And, you know, you think of uh, you know, tennis players today, they're normally tall and powerful and, yeah, but just... Uh, his speed and tenacity and never-give-up attitude. But he was a former world number one as well. And in 2001, he became, at the time, the youngest man to be singles world number one in the ATP rankings at just 20 years of age. Now, it's just recently that's been surpassed by Carlos Alcaraz, who, um, 19 years of age, is, uh, is now the number one golfer, uh, the number one tennis player, you know, to uh, be number one at, at an early age. So he's won, he won 30 singles titles, Leighton Hewitt, twice winner of the year, it, yeah, twice he won the year-end championship trophy. Yeah, and I remember that time when that was held in Sydney and he won that title I think it was around 2001 from memory. But num- number one female tennis player, well I can't go past Ash Barty three times grand slam winner 2019 French Open winner 2021 Wimbledon title 2022 Aussie Women Aussie Open title world number 1 for 121 weeks and you just think if she didn't retire last year i'm sure she would have won a couple of uh, grand slam titles again last year yeah so i'm still crying over the fact that she was retired <laughs> So another sport we've had success in at the Olympics over the years. Not so much in recent times, but yet some games. We look at cycling. So names that come to mind are Dean Woods. He, won, he was part of the uh, uh, pursuit team that won that gold medal in Los Angeles. And he won a silver medal four years later in Seoul. Sadly passed away, I think it was last year, at a young age. But then Ryan Bailey... At the 2004 Athens Olympics, yeah, just a wonderful achievement that was. I think he won about two or three gold medals at the track, and, and then Kathy Watt. We had success um, in the women's road race in a couple of Olympics there in 1992, with Kathy Watt winning gold, and Sarah Carrigan. I think that was at the 2008 Olympics, where she won the the women's road race. But also names like Robbie McEwen, Stuart A. Grady. But my number one male cyclist is Cadell Evans, four-time Olympian, the first Aussie win- winner of the Tour de France when he won that in 2011. Now he won that title 34 years of age. Yeah, and runner-up in 2007 and 2009 in the Tour de France. And now he's got a name raced in, uh, a race named in his honour. Yeah. And my number one female cyclist, well, I can't go past Anna Mears. Now, she has been the 500-metre track time trial world champion on f- four occasions. And she was flag bearer at the 2016 Olympics in Rio. In 2004 Olympics, she won a gold medal. And she set a new world record in the women's 500-metres time trial. She also picked up a bronze in the 200-metre uh, sprint. Now, just a courageous athlete you know, two, in the lead-up to the 2000 Olympics. You know, this is just months away from the Games. She had a terrible fall and broke her neck just leading up to the Games. And she was back on the bike. like She was nearly paralysed. However, she's back on the bike 10 days later and managed to get to a ride off for gold against Victoria Pendleton the great British cyclist, where she was beaten and received the silver medal. However, four years later, Mears gained revenge when she defeated Pendleton on the Brits' home track in front of a home crowd. And Anna Mies won many world championships and now has a velodrome named after her, the Anna Mies Velodrome in Brisbane, which was used for the 2018 Commonwealth Games. Now, if we look at horse racing, now... The number one jockey that comes to my mind is Damien Oliver. Now, he's won just about every major race there is in Australia three Melbourne Cups, four Caulfield Cups, one Cox played. He even has a movie made about him. And the 2002 Melbourne Cup went on Media Puzzle is uh, a real highlight for me. I remember he won that. You know, it was just a few days earlier, his brother Jason. Uh, died in a fall. He was a jockey as well. When he, yeah, fell off and yeah, unfortunately died. And yeah, when Damien Oliver, there was hardly a dry eye in the place when he, yeah, got Media Puzzle home to win the Melbourne Cup. And he did it for his brother. And n- number one trainer. Oh, yeah. How can you go past this bloke Bart Cummings? Twelve Melbourne Cups. Now, he won his first Melbourne Cup in 1965 with light fingers. And his last Melbourne Cup was uh, 2008 when Viewed um, won, the, won the Melbourne Cup. But, yeah, the Melbourne Cups that come to my mind, where he trained horses to winners, were Saintly in 1996, and Kingston Rule in 1990, and Let's Alope in 1991. Even Hyperna, I think... Yeah, that was way back in 1979. Now he holds the record for the most Melbourne Cup wins by a trainer. Seven Caulfield Cups, he's trained horses that have won. And four golden slippers, five cox plates, 13 Australian Cups. Now he's known as the Cups King for all the Melbourne Cups he's won. And just an Aussie national living treasure. Now the great man passed away in 2015, aged 87. Now, if I look at my number one horses that come to mind, now I think about Black Caviar and Winx and Kingston Town. Now, I'll never forget in the early 80s with uh, Malcolm Johnson um, winning all those races, riding Kingston Town. And But my number one horse, my Diva. Three consecutive Melbourne Cup wins, 2003, 04 and 05. The only horse to win three Melbourne Cups and the only mare to win it more than once. And, yeah, I was... uh, Those three years when Maccabi Diva won, I also won. I picked the Diva to win. And, yeah, but also won the 2005 Cox Plate and is the highest stakes earner in Australian history, winning more than $14 Australian dollars. Now, if we look at motor racing... Now, I put this all in one category with uh, you know the cars and the bikes and yeah. But my first memory is uh, Alan Jones he, when he won the Formula One title in 1980, the last Aussie to do so. And Mark Webber came along later on in the in the uh, early 2000s and went close to winning a uh, Formula One title, but he won a lot of uh, Formula One races. But then at home, Peter Brock winning all those Bathurst titles, and Dick Johnson, Craig Lowndes, and Will Power, who's had great success in America with the Indy cars. He he won a Indy card, won the Indy Indi, Indianapolis 500 one year, first Aussie to do so, and another mo- great motorcyclist, Wayne Gardner. Yeah, but my number one person in motor racing. Is McDuane, former. Where are they now? Five consecutive 500cc world championships, a gold coaster too. Now he won those world championships from 1994 to 98. Now he was runner-up twice in 1991 and 92. Now he would have won the title in 1992, however um, he had that fall and yeah couldn't complete the season. But he was miles ahead at the time. And he also won a Superbike World Championship. Now, he's the only rider to do both the 500cc, claim the, both the 500cc and the Superbike World titles. Now, moving on to the sport of boxing, well, names that come to mind are uh, you know, ones that have claimed world titles, like Jeff Harding, Anthony the Man Mundine, Daniel Geel, Kostya Zoo, and recent times, Jeff Horn. My number one boxer and former where are they now? He might have been our very first where are they now. The mighty Marrickville Mauler, Jeff Fennec. Four times world champion. Now he won and defended world titles in three different divisions. And he was robbed of that fourth title. Remember that? Way back in 1991 in his fight against Azuma Nelson. That was corruptly announced as a draw. However... Justice has prevailed recently, and yeah, he was given his well-deserved fourth title. And yeah, he won his first world title, I remember this, back in 1985 at the Horden Pavilion in Sydney, when he won the IBF Bantamweight title, and finished with a career record of 30 wins, 21 knockouts, 3 losses, and inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, you think he had all those problems with his hands too, you know. And uh, I'm sure that had a great impact on his career and could have gone on to win world, more world titles if it wasn't for that. Now, let's look at Paul's top five Aussie sports people now of my generation. Now, in fifth place, I've got a tie, okay. I've got Lauren Jackson and Mick Doohan. Fourth place, I've got Jeff Fennec. Third place, I've got Tim Cale. Just uh, how he's put Australian football on the world map and wonderful, wonderful um, Aussie. Second place, I've got the King of Spin, Shane Warne. And in top spot is... Ian Thorpe. Now, just moving on to my sporting moments now. now. I'm going to do a timeline. Now... My first memory is in 1980. Yvonne Corley, and I spoke about this earlier, winning the ladies' Wimbledon title. Now she—I remember she won that, and yeah, she was uh, might have been the well, she was a mum at the time. I remember that, so that was even even more made her achievement extraordinary. And at the Moscow Olympics, when. Uh, Norman May's wonderful <laughs> when he called that gold, gold, gold when we won men won gold in the men's four by one hundred meter medley relay, defeated the great Soviets, and move on to 1981, David Graham winning the U.S. Open golf title, and oh boy, as a Parramatta supporter, just those Premiership titles in 1981, 82, 83, 86 four titles and uh yeah it brings back great memories and then 1983 the america's cup win we spoke about that in great t- great detail one of our episodes last year And 1984 at the los angeles olympics dean lucan yeah winning that weightlifting gold in the super heavyweight division And then later in the year, the Wallabies completed the Grand Slam on their rugby tour of the British Isles, defeating all four nations, coached by Alan Jones and just those, you know, Mark Eller. Just, uh, yeah, just wonderful what he did. and Yeah, retired at an early age as well. And then 1985, you know, Jeff Fennick winning his first uh, boxing world title and... Went on to win four titles. 1986, Greg Normany finally broke through to win his first major at the Open Championship. And did it again in 1993. And this was a great time in Australian rugby. You know, we won the Bledisloe Cup on New Zealand soil, clinching the deciding test at Eden Park. And we haven't won there since. And 1986, I remember Pat Cash winning the Davis Cup for Australia in that. He came from two sets down against Sweden's Mikhail Pernforce to win the Davis Cup for Australia. We also won the Davis Cup in 1983 too when we defeated Sweden. And 1987, Pat Cash. Yeah, he was the real big name in Aussie sports then with Greg Norman. He won the men's Wimbledon singles title. And 1987, Australia winning the Cricket World Cup in India. When they were uh, you know, at the start of the tournament you know they were just given no chance at all and you because know, this was a time of rebuilding an Aussie cricket and just the way Alan Border you know rebuilt that side and and yeah we went on to win in 1999, 2003, 2007, 2015 five World Cup um, wins in 1988 Duncan Armstrong. That gold medal swim in the 200 metres at the Seoul Olympics. Smashing the world record in the process. In 1989, oh, the Ashes victory in England. 4-0. Now the Aussie side that went over on that tour, they were labelled the worst Aussie cricket team to uh, visit England. But oh geez, didn't we make them eat their words? 4-0. Would have been 6-0 if it wasn't for the rain. And then Canberra versus Balmain in that great rugby league grand final in 89 And 1990, Mel Meningas try in the dying seconds to win a thrilling test in Manchester against Great Britain. Keeping uh, the Kangaroos' hopes alive and we went on the, fight, the, the uh, deciding test to win. And 1990, the Commonwealth Games in Auckland. That was what I consider a real resurgence in Aussie sport where we topped the medal tally and excelled in a wide range of sports. And 1999, with the Wallabies winning the Rugby World Cup, and again in 1999. And Kieran Perkins in 1992 winning gold in the 1,500 metres at the Barcelona Olympics, and four years later in Atlanta when he was written off. And then 1993, I remember staying up all night into the early morning, yeah, when Juan Antonio Samaranch announced the winner is Sydney. And Sydney was won the uh, bid to host the 2000 Olympics. And just uh, the Ashes' success in England in 1993 and the emergence of Shane Warne. And you, know, you think today what what he did for leg spin bowling and cricket. And you know, leg spin bowling is such a... Uh, you know, real force in the short form of the game. Where before Shane Warne came along, yeah, you, you didn't see many leg spinners in one in the one day cricket. In 1994, 1994, Shane Warne getting that hat trick at the MCG against England in the Boxing Day Ashes Test, and in 1995, when Australia defeated the West Indies, finally when we defeated them in the Caribbean to win the Sir Frank Worrell Trophy. I think that was the first time in well over twenty years, and you know that ended the uh, the dominance of that great West Indies side, that wonderful era that they had. and 1996, Luke Longley, and the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, and 1997, Pat Rafter, when he won the U.S. Open tennis title, and he defended that title in 1998 the 1998 as well, Ian Thorpe, he won the world title, as I was talking about earlier, just 15 years of age, the world championships in Perth. In 1999, well, I was there when it happened, and the Cricket World Cup win. Now, Australia had a very disappointing start to the tournament and got to the stage where they had to win every game. And, yeah, and they ended up doing it. They managed to get that tie in the semi-final and that was all mainly thanks to you know brilliant performance by Shane Warne in that semi-final who you know South Africa were just cruising to victory and he came on and bowled that spell that just turned the whole game and 1999 was just a great year in Aussie sport we won the Rugby World Cup and you know we won the Davis Cup and then year later the Sydney 2000 Olympics and being there that night at the opening ceremony, and Cathy Freeman winning 400 metres gold, and Ian Thorpe winning those gold medals and smashing the world record, especially in the uh, 400 metres freestyle, and you yeah, had that 4x100 metre men's freestyle relay team when they upset the Americans, and Ian Thorpe chased down Gary Hall Jr. In that final leg and a year later the 2001 world swimming championships where the aussies excelled and yeah claimed uh, first place on the medal tally and i think it was the first time we've uh, been ahead of the americans on a world swimming championship medal tally or at the olympics yeah just uh Wonderful swimming team, probably the greatest we've ever produced. You know, great names like Hackett and Patria Thomas. And And 2001, when the Wallabies came back and defeated the British and Irish Lions in a thrilling deciding test in Sydney. And also later that year, Leighton Hewitt winning the US Open men's singles title. If we move on to 2002, well, we didn't think it was ever possible, but... Yeah, we claimed our first Winter Olympics goal with Steve Bradbury. was the last man standing. Won that gold medal. And, um, yeah, Lisa Camplin. Yeah, in the freestyle. Um, uh, mo- oh, I think it's called the freestyle. She's a former Where Are They Now? Yeah, where they. I forget the name of the event now, but, oh boy. Yeah, we've had a lot of success in it. In. Uh, Freestyle aerial scheme. That's right. That's what it's called. Yeah. So she uh, won gold, and yeah, Steve Bradbury and Elise Elise, Elise Campbell won our first Winter Olympics gold medals, and then Leighton Hewitt won the men's singles tennis title in two thousand two. And who'll ever forget Steve Waugh's century off the last ball of the day when he was written off, and you know, yeah written off by so many oh he needs to retire you know his form's not up to it now but no he proved them wrong and 2003 another davis cup win well this was our last davis cup title mark Philippoussis winning that deciding match in five sets in 2004 we defeated india in india in uh, First time we've defeated India in a well, I think it was since nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, so I just uh, yeah watched Australia get absolutely flogged by India in the first cricket test last night, and uh, but they showed highlights afterwards, you know, of like uh, when we defeated them in two thousand four on Indian soil, just that great side we had, you know, with Warren, Gillespie McGrath. Gilchrist, Damien Martin had a wonderful tour. And, uh, yeah, how times have changed. <laughs> yeah, and just the Olympic glory we had in Athens in 2004. I think we came like third or fourth on the medal tally with uh, 17 gold medals. In 2005, the, yeah, the, the uh, Sydney Swans and the West Tigers. So I remember the Swans winning that thrilling AFL grand final decider against the uh, West Coast Eagles and the West Tigers are real underdogs, you know. Probably hundred to one to win the win the NRL title at the start of the year and yeah, led by you know Benji Marshall and Scott Prince and yeah, that was a wonderful performance by them. But then towards the end of the year. The Socceroos, when they qualified for the World Cup When they defeated Uruguay in a penalty shootout And then Makaibi Diva She went on to win a third Melbourne Cup in a row And then 2006 The Socceroos, When they captured the attention of the nation And yeah it was World Cup fever Their performance at the World Cup And Tim Kale's goals against Japan And we also regained the Ashes with a 5-0 clean clean s- sweep. And we defeated England and gained revenge from a year earlier. When we lost the Ashes for the first time in many years. And Shane Warne picking up his 700th wicket. Yeah, when he bowled Andrew Strauss at the MCG. In front of a packed crowd. And 2006, I remember being at the Melbourne Commonwealth Games. Yeah, experiencing that and... 2008, well, at the Beijing Olympics and Matt Mitchum with that miracle dive that claimed gold and Stephen Hooker and Stephanie Rice I think she won about three gold medals in the pool and if you move on to 2011 Sam Stosa winning the US Open Ladies title defeating Serena Williams on Serena Williams' home court, home crowd In 2012, Black Caviar you know, who had that big undefeated run and yeah brilliant brilliant uh, racehorse and adam scott in 2013 winning the masters and later that year when mitchell johnson he destroyed england in a five nil ashes romp and 2015 when the socceroos won the asia cup and you know when you think of it like uh, australia's the only Uh, Country that has won um, two confederations, so you know they won when they were part of the Oceania confederation. They won lots of titles, you know. Obviously, like they didn't have much opposition, but yeah, when they won that Asian Cup title on home soil and defeated uh, uh, South Korea in the final, yeah, that was a wonderful night. In 2018, the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games, what an experience that was being there and. 2021 ash barty winning the wimbledon ladies singles title and 2022 she won the aussie open ladies singles title first aussie to do so oh it was since it was well over 30 years i think you know you got got to go back right to the the mid-1970s and just last year cameron smith winning the open championship yeah, and the Socceroos over in Qatar at the World Cup, and just that tremendous courage they showed. Yeah, you know, they got thrashed in their first game by France, but then, yeah, went on and won their last two group games and put in a yeah, very courageous performance against eventual winners Argentina in that round one clash. So, We're going to paul's top five aussie sporting memories so in fifth place well i've got the wimbledon wins so with pat cash and leighton hewitt nash Barty, and i've got to have the socceroos in there just you know in 2006 and just last year in 2022 just how they you know brought the nation together and captured our hearts and fourth place i've got to have adam scott with his masters when in 2013 Ding-dong, the witch was dead. You know, you think of all the bad luck Aussies have had. We've been so close over so many years, you know, getting a green jacket. And finally, we managed to break through when Adam Scott, yeah, sank that putt in that playoff. And third place, I've got our Cricket World Cup wins, 1999, 2003 and 2007. Yeah, that brought back great memories. Second place, I've got the America's Cup win in 1983, where, uh, yeah, we became the first nation, you know, to finally take the title off the Americans for you know about 120 odd years it might have been, I think. Yeah. And top spot, I've got the Sydney Olympics. So what I'm putting in there is our winning bid in 1993, and the 2000 when it came seven years later at the 2000 games, and being at so many events there in person, and just a great time, great experience, one I'll truly never forget. Now, if I look at my top five Aussie sporting teams now, so yeah, there's been oh, so many over the years, but fifth place, I've got to have our Davis Cup win in 1999. And that was just a a great performance, you know, because we're playing in France. France had a very good team. And, you know, we're playing on clay, so it's a surface our um, tennis players weren't accustomed to. You know, they've got to put up with a, you know, a, a crowd that's against them. And, yeah, and how we went on and won, defeated France on the clay. And... Also in fifth place, I've got a tie as well. I've got the Socceroos in two thousand and six. Yeah, you know, just uh, probably well, you know, it has to be our greatest Australian football team. You know, the fact that they managed to get past Uruguay you know, after that big disappointment four years earlier, where Uruguay sent them packing home and in that qualifying match and over in Uruguay. But you know, you've got to think of Uruguay. Just a Football powerhouse—they've won two World Cups—and we managed to get past them in that penalty shootout. Mark Schwartz with those incredible saves, and and uh, John Aloisi sinking that penalty goal—and yes, the nation just went wild. And just the great performance they put in in Germany in the World Cup—you know, defeating Japan, um, that game against Croatia that ended up in a, a draw when they were robbed by the referee. And then, you know, you go to that round one match and they were playing Italy and, yeah, like, uh you know, Italy went on and won the title. But, you know, there was a game we should have won and which we dominated and we were robbed by that penalty right on the full-time whistle. Yeah. And then fourth place, I've got our Wallabies Rugby World Cup wins in 1991, 1999. Third place, oh, what have I got in third place? Oh, our 2001 swimming team at the World Championships in Fukuoka, Japan, where we topped the medal tally. 13 gold, 23 medals all up. Now, the next best was China with 10 gold, and then the USA with 9 gold. And just, you know how we smashed world records at those um at the at that world championships actually it would have been 14 gold because i remember our women's one of our women's relay teams were you know they won got they won the uh the final yeah but we're later disqualified when yeah a couple of the girls jumped in the pool before the race had finished to celebrate and yeah, but just you know the world records that were broken by um, you know Ian Thorpe and Grant Hackett you know really at their peak at that time and second place I've got the America's Cup crew in 1983 Remember, who could not forget Bob Hawke there that morning yeah with his comment you know, any bosses sacks anyone today for being late is a bum how right he was and in top spot the number one Aussie sporting team for my era I've got the Aussie World Cup cricket winning sides in 2003 and 07. And the reason I have this is because, you know, in 2000 just how much they dominated the opposition. You know, in 2003, Shane Warne um, was sent home right on the eve of our first match. And, you know, um, yeah, but just how we went undefeated in both those tournaments and won, won easily. Yeah, and uh, especially in two thousand and seven, where you know, the Aussie One Day side was performing very poorly in the lead up to that World Cup, and you know, we had a lot of ageing players, and Glenn McGrath, you know, was right at the very end of his career, and but he went on to be Player of the Series, and and just yeah the opposition just didn't get anywhere close to the uh, Aussie team, and went on to win that final against Sri Lanka. And Adam Gilchrist's, you know, he's brilliant knock in that final. Yeah, so I've got the Aussie World Cup cricket winning sides in 2003 and 07, just for their dominance, sheer dominance. Yeah, so that wraps it up for this episode. So thank you for joining us for this episode of the Sports Shack. So it's goodbye from Paul. I'll look forward to speaking to you next time and please check out our facebook posts for my sporting memories and thanks to gold studio productions for producing the sports show and paul's 50 years of sporting memories so please check out gold studio productions on facebook so it's goodbye from paul and i look forward to chatting to you next time goodbye